Welcome to Tech Breakfast, today's top headlines served hot by your host Aaron Bewley and Tyler Gates. So grab your coffee and let's get into it. Buongiorno. Arrivederci. It's Monday, September 28th. Today is International Day for Universal Access to Information, but there's not a lot of information about what that actually means. <laughs> there's tons of information. You just don't have access to it. <laughs> Burn. <laughs> okay. Got it. No, but for real, uh, it's a day. And it's a day. It's thing. a day. <laughs> it's a day to day. Okay. All right, right, right. Uh, what do we want to talk about? What do you want to talk about? Oh, yeah. man. I don't What's know, man. I'm, I'm firing zingers today. There's some VR stuff that's interesting. I think it's at the bottom of our list here. Um, it up. It, not having Uncle not Brian. having Daniel here feels a little disingenuous, does. Um, especially because of the topic at hand. Our senior XR field correspondent, <laughs> That's right. It, it says Facebook is turning VR into a platform, uh, but some indie developers... Uh, which I guess Daniel technically would be classified as Probably. fear its power um, <clears throat> stating that they're basically Guinea pigs. And, and one of the examples is, and this is actually a really popular um, application and is that is virtual desktop. Uh, I actually have, have used virtual desktop. It's, it's very good. It's actually how you can just quite frankly, use your desktop inside of VR. And uh, there's one update as an example that this uh, developer used, and they, they seem to reach out to a couple different developers in this article. This is coming from The Verge that said uh, there was a feature where you can basically access your computer uh, wirelessly over, uh, over your network. And he he updated uh, he updated his app to be able to to be able to do this, and then Facebook made him roll it back, saying that the uh, the feature he added was letting mobile users use a feature that really wasn't wasn't well baked. It didn't provide a good user experience, and so they forced him to roll it back. He then subsequently released a an update to the app external to the store, so that if users wanted to sideload it, they could. Nice. And people do. People sideload it all the time. Like people have okay. played the entirety of Half Life Alex in this. Mode. Oh. I know exactly what you're talking about. I mean, you're literally talking about the application virtual desktop for uh, VR headsets. Yes, C- correct. Yes. Yeah, it, it was it was the first app I installed when I when I got the one that was uh, lent to me, and uh, yeah, I, I used it just to tool around in general. But it's also just it's very good for different kinds of accessibility and just getting stuff done. So yeah. what's the concern again? Well, the concern here is is, is that, that Facebook's trying to shut he, it down. Yeah, he well, he developed an extremely useful feature. Sure. And Facebook forced him to roll that feature back, not release it, and is thought to be working on their own. Mm. And and so that's that's a big part of the concern. It's like if you're successful, you're likely going to be copied by Oculus. They're going to integrate it into their platform. Um, and then if you offer, or if they if they offer something for free, then the developers cannot compete with that. And so that's a, a big aspect that they're looking at right now of the concerns of the Oculus platform and their extreme motivation to obviously make it successful. Yeah, reminds me of uh, a lot of the accusations around uh, Amazon AWS type of stuff, right? Yeah, people take that's and run things exactly. on that platform, and then they they can observe it, right, and build their own version. Um, and then I was reading an article about uh, GPT-3 and the OpenAI platform last night. 
and there's general concerns there in terms of the fact that, well, so why just Microsoft? First of all, why do they get to have access to the code and no one else does? And is some of this is just my ignorance on what's going on. Maybe that makes sense. But obviously, when they went to uh, the next iteration, they need to start making some money, right? So they're going to start selling licenses, um, working through Microsoft uh, to, to, uh, to do that as well. But everybody else just gets API access so they can uh, submit um, and then get output. But then the OpenAI platform has full capability to see everything, right? So they can actually do all kinds of trend analysis to see what's working, what's not working, where they wow. could and should invest their time, things they can go right and yeah. build. It's, it's really interesting. It's like somebody working at a patent office and then somebody submitting ideas through this person. Yeah. And then they constantly see this type of stuff and then they can go and, and uh, make one that's better. Yeah. 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 And and those are interesting criticisms too, because I think in, in a naturally competitive market, there's plenty of, um, I don't know, call it legal sort of corporate espionage that's happening. And, and I don't know, maybe calling it espionage makes it not legal, but they're always looking for, um, anything that gives them a competitive edge. And, and I think that's totally appropriate. Right. But the question in these cases is, because they have so much access and it is uniquely access to them through that platform, it, it's not it's not natural at all. It's it's ultra competitive or anti competitive really, but it's it's also often tied to their platform. So is is that fair? Is it right that th- Microsoft or AWS or, or whoever is allowing you to run your stuff should have so much data from your efforts that they can use to their advantage? It's interesting because yeah. I, I thought that, and, and I just Googled this and it, it verified it, but I was thinking to myself, I was like, man, I thought that OpenAI was like a research foundation and nonprofit that founded this. So I Googled that and one of the articles, I guess from yesterday, because I guess this, this news comes from yesterday, or at least Musk was complaining about it. Yeah, he was. Um, the, well, he, it was the, a comp- Go ahead. Or, sorry, go ahead. Sorry. I was going to say the company's goal is to advance digital intelligence in the way that it is most likely to benefit humanity as a whole, unconstrained by a need to generate financial return. Well, that's not what they're doing. Yeah, that's, right. So this clearly Oops. falls directly in face of like why this yeah. you know, foundation or why this entire project yeah. was created and exists. Yeah. Because the problem we're having here is the lack of democratization and openness Right, and there was a there was an article on um, where was it the gradient pub. They were talking about this. They tend to focus on AI news. Uh, if y'all are interested, um, they advertise themselves as cutting through the hype and the cynicism to provide accessible, sophisticated, and re- uh, sophisticated reporting on the latest AI research. So uh, they're on Twitter at gradient pub as well. If you want to check them out, but anyway, they go into the article and they say, you know, if we were to see something that was democratized and open. For GPT-3, it would look something like access to powerful AI models, the algorithms themselves, which again, as I just mentioned, is something that they're not giving access to, to anyone other than Microsoft, uh, computing resources necessary to use them. Now, mm, that's kind of up in the air because what they were arguing is, you know, how does the average person get access to computing resources to do these things, right? Can you, you know, you can run a model on a single, you know, CPU, GPU combo, but are you going to be able to use it, right? 
And that's the other piece and being able to use the algorithms and models potentially without requiring advanced mathematical and computing science skills. So that gets into, is the interface simple enough to where uh, people can throw stuff at it and get readable things back and not have to be, uh, you know, a computer scientist to, to figure it out. All kinds of interesting things here, man. Yeah. It'll be neat to see where that goes too. I mean, just looking at that news site you just put out there, even the title alone, just talking about the democratization of AI. I mean, you've got folks like Musk making their projections saying that AI can trounce humans at most tasks in what, five years, I think was his projection. And, uh, if, if you make those models and you make access uh, really, really easy, then, I, I mean, I believe it, right? It's moving incredibly fast as it is. In yeah. fact, well, there's a good segue, too. Go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, there's a general, um, I guess, misnomer in the open AI piece in that everyone sees and reads that as kind of open source, right? With all the kind of Apache framework concepts mm-hmm. and whatnot. But that's not, that's not what this is. It's... Uh, hey, we'll write an API out to you and you can use it, but it's our stuff. It's our code. Gotcha. Um, you know, we'll sell you licensing to be able to use it. Right. I think people are probably not confusing, confused not just because of the open AI name, yeah, which name. is incredibly common in the open source <laughs> world, um, but also because it was meant to be a project that was accessible and open to yeah. all. Like that was literally the framework with which it was built and describing it that way, but not pointing that it's, I guess, open source is, I don't know, in some respects feel a little disingenuous. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. That's just that sort of the right. strange aspect of it's, it's almost like they decided to interpret their initial like outreach, you know, to what we are and, and what we stand for and what we do differently in order to, I'm just going to say, take more money from Microsoft because Microsoft was one of the original um, investors is what I'm seeing here, along with Musk. Yeah, I was about to say that. I just looked that up and found that Musk is one of the original founders. Yeah, he stepped down because um, he was he wanted to eliminate a potential future conflict due to Tesla's uh, efforts in AI themselves. So he he stepped down himself. Cool. Interesting. Yeah, yeah. interesting. They have about 120 employees. Started four years ago. Okay. Um, cool. I didn't, yeah. Really no, I, I was going to say uh, just you know kind of along that path. Um, something I noticed in an article this morning was uh, that augmented reality is not part of Gartner's hype cycle. And I, uh, this year, so they, they just released their hype cycle, I guess. And, um, does that for mean those that aren't, what does that mean? Yeah. Yeah. No, 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 I mean, that really is, that's, that's <laughs> kind of the, the long and the short of it is, is that it, it is no longer just a, a, an exciting thing. Like it is very much in production. It's, it's relevant now. And what's interesting about that, I guess, cause I was just kind of skimming through the article. It was saying, I guess it dropped off last year, but that confused a lot of people. And this year it's not on there. And they're literally quoted as saying, it's, it's not on the hype cycle because it's past the hype cycle. It is production use case driven. Like it's, it's done embedded. And it, cool. was, it was kind of cool. Yeah. Because one, I, mean, I think you're familiar with it at this point, right? Even even stuff like um, the Pokemon games for Nintendo Switch, those are all AR-based sort of ecosystems, and they're, and they're very big. But then we've talked about a lot of technology, whether it's uh, 
uh, you know, office driven or it's, uh, you know, healthcare driven, stuff like that. But there was another article that said that Google was selected or is partnering with the DOD here in the U.S. to uh, create augmented reality uh, microscopes to aid in the um, identification of cancer in patients. Uh, and it was, it was really neat. It kind of took me, took me down a rabbit hole. There's, there's a lot of spaces in the medical community where having access to information overlaid directly on stuff like that. I mean, you can very easily, I think, wrap your head around how looking at microbes or cells inside of a, or through a microscope, it'd be really useful to have length and other information and comparative pictures perhaps, or just having the support of something like AI looking for some of those things that maybe aren't going to jump off the page. And then maybe you can just you know, kind of swipe and say, no, 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 that's close, but not quite spot on. And it was really cool um, to see both that it's, it's considered mature uh, rather suddenly. And, and it was, I guess what was cool was it's considered mature, uh, I think five years ahead of what usually happens with Gartner's height cycle. So there, you know, there's that nice. huge spike in interest. Then there's this sort of precipitous drop um, before it starts to slowly eke its way up to real before it plateaus. That's the hype cycle. Definitely look it up if you're not familiar. Um, it just skyrocketed to like not even on the chart, right? So pretty cool. It's interesting because I feel like, uh, well, so at SHI, we, we keep uh, a list uh, in, that involves emerging technology, although this is obviously explicitly meant for, you know, the corporate America. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's interesting because our emerging technology is, is stuff that is, I view as applicable, like being common. It's being brought up very significantly, but it doesn't have mass adoption. Like that's... That's something that uh, I guess a way that I would define it, or at least that's sort of the the guidelines that we use as we maintain this list. So, to give you an example, in 2016, HCI would have been on that list, even yeah. though it had been out and purchasable by the enterprise for a while. You know, VX Rail stepping into it and vSAN really kind of coming of age was was a big deal. That's hyper-converged so, infrastructure for the listeners that aren't intimately yes, familiar oh yeah, with yes. that. <laughs> Um, Hyper- and so hyperconverged, that- if we went to define that, though, would become a, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a whole, whole, whole half hour show all by. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. Um, go check some of our, our videos on YouTube. <laughs> um, the, but so it's interesting because I wonder if in some respects that applies here also. Like, are they saying that this is talked about more often and it is actually being adopted by more people now is is that the same i don't know i, I, I guess part of i technically could ask them um yeah probably there you go. um but it's uh it's just interesting to to see that as as a space that i do keep up with i mean like we right now ai and ml is on that list for us you know mm. so just just interesting to see that it's leaving yeah. I, it just feels like it's quick you know and I, I feel like i'm but maybe i'm just not familiar enough with the matter so it's just very interesting for me to see as someone who maintains a similar type of list cool. all right uh let's jump topics without any sort of um coherent transition and mention <laughs> the Beijing auto show is going on right now. Ooh, and uh, I don't know what that it is. Features... I'm assuming it's an auto show in Beijing though. Yeah, it's an auto that's, show. Well, it's the only auto show that is going to happen this year. Oh, really? COVID. So yeah. we could say it's the auto show. So it's, it's the, the 2020 auto show. auto show. Yeah. Got it. The wow. world's auto show. Yeah. 
brought to you by Beijing. Go check it out because um, there are, for the first time, there's, well, maybe not the first time, but definitely the first time that I'm aware of, uh, there's flying vehicles being, ah, cool. being showcased. Yes. Yeah. And this is, once again, I have knocked on the Kitty Hawk door know, about right? 30 times and there's no answer every time. They are not um, impressed with the tech not impressed. podcast. Not, mm. not impressed. Mm. Which uh, is anyway. offensive. Well, they don't. So, it's, so what it's are we rare. talking flying vehicles here? Are we talking like Star Wars where you're like a mile up in the air and it's like Definitely. flying highways? Or is this like is sure. this like the hoverboard version of a of a vehicle? Yeah, oh, no, it's a, it's a it's a good question. Um so no, it, it's at, they're airborne, right? It's not it's not we're not gonna call it a hoverboard and put wheels on it and it never leaves the ground. Now are these things wheels? are airborne. Um most of them, if you look around the industry, they highly resemble drones, right? And the mm. one in this uh, Bloomberg article posted today, uh, it, it basically, it just looks like a, um, it looks like a, like a one seater helicopter on skis that has one, two, three, four, five, six, eight rotors over it. I was actually going to ask why we don't call these oh. helicopters. Yeah. It kind of oh, looks hey, like it. Dude, whoa. Um, <laughs> this has been around forever and it's boring. Well, so, oh, no, but that, okay. that's a good that's a good point though, right? Um, but this is a this is a fl- they just called this a flying vehicle, right? They didn't really name it beyond that. But <laughs> Don't some call them, it a helicopter; we won't get funded. But some of them, <laughs> some of them look like helicopters, but they have eight rotors instead of you know uh, a mane and a tail. Don't call and it a drone. Or some of them look like after them. The ones that I think will have uh, the the bet I would place on the design is the ones that look like planes, but are powered by um multiple rotors you know six or eight rotors something like that because of their glide ratio and all that kind of stuff right if you if you lose power and the fact that the thing can glide at a 10 to 1 or 12 to 1 ratio um that's that's a great failure scenario if you lose power and you're in this thing (laughs) that just looks like a dji mavic or whatever and you're just going to fall to the ground I will say I'm looking at the one that's kind of like a, a single person drone right now, and it looks yeah. awesome. Yeah, like I, I, I want. I can rag on it all I want. I want one. <laughs> <laughs> they also showcased the uh, the Ford Mustang Mach E, which again, you know, I got into some Twitter arguments about because it's not a Mustang. How did how did they spell the word Mach? Because that might make sense. M A C H. Mock, like kidding. like mock, yes, like, the I guys, know that. like the guy's name. But if they spelled it differently, then it would have been a joke. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> if you didn't know that, mock is from I can't remember the guy's first name, but it's from a name. Anyway, um, oh, I was, I was it going somewhere else with it. It's an electric Sorry. SUV. <laughs> so I had to make a bad pun. An electric SUV. It's an it's SUV. An that's SUV. What I'm saying. Now I'm offended. It's not a coupe. It's a it's a four door SUV, and they're ca- calling it a Mustang. That's it almost Mustang. looks like a crossover. If you're familiar with those, yeah, those yeah. are great. Interesting. Yeah, it definitely doesn't give me the Mustang vibe. Yep, not yep. at all. Anyway, okay. So there's that. We can move on to the next thing. Um, but if you want to go check out some of those photos of yeah. the only 2020 cool. auto show um, that's going on this week. Well, other things going on this week. Uh, VMworld 2020 kicks off today, and it is free to everyone. Go Google it. You can log in, sign up, and hop into sessions and read stuff if, if that's your jam and you're into the all the cool stuff we, because I work for VMware, do in the, the virtualization and security and infrastructure space. Yeah. 
Yeah, it'll be fun. We'll uh, we'll cover some probably some of the announcements and stuff that come out Monday, mm-hmm. Tuesday. We'll cover on our Wednesday show, etc. Show. But uh, if anyone wants to come on the show one Wednesday there or Friday and Pat. do some recap, some VMworld recap, come on. Have at it. Yeah, Join come it. with it. Let's say Pat or Sanjay make a lot of sense. So really, either one of you, if your name is Pat or Sanjay, come on. (laughs) (laughs) Or anybody else. Uh, They also announced Amazon Prime Day, uh, I guess today, because that's the first time I've seen a date. October 13th is when Prime Day is going to happen this year. Of course, they just had their hardware uh, announcement last week, and we got all excited about that stuff. But um that, of course, is Amazon's everything goes on sale. And I put big old quotes around it. A lot of stuff usually does actually go on sale. And they end up being some of the lowest prices for the year, if not maybe in line with like a Black Friday, Cyber Monday sort of sale, which is interesting because it's happening late this year. Usually this happens in July, if I'm not mistaken. And uh, now it's going to be real close to those two other big discount days. Yeah. Do you jump on that? I mean, I, I've never bought anything on Amazon Prime Day. I have. Their device sales uh, are usually competitive with, like I said, Black Friday and Cyber Monday. So if you need something like a dot or a show or apparently yeah. a drone in your house, then Prime Day often has, <laughs> you know, within a buck or two kind of discounts on devices. And uh, something else I think I've noticed in the past is that <clears throat> if you like the previous generation devices, you almost can't beat Prime Day stuff. They'll obviously, if they still have stock by the time they get to, well, normally much later in the year with the yeah. uh, Black Friday, Cyber Monday, but they'll do bundles, you know, three dots for 50 bucks kind of stuff. And and so I've picked up devices on Prime Day for sure. Hmm. I've just I, never, uh, it, it feels like I've never gotten to the point where I need something so bad that I've talked myself into buying some sort of discounted electronics on a certain day. Oh, well, it, it feels like I, the compulsiveness of it just feels anti like, decision. I Maybe use I'm Prime Day and Black Friday and Cyber Monday to purchase things that I have intentionally delayed until those days come around. So, okay. for instance, I, I want a projector um, as opposed to or a large form factor TV for the new house in a specific room. And I will not buy that until Cyber Monday is probably over because the most likely period to get the least expensive version sure. of one of the few things that I want is going to be between now and then. And if, yeah. if Prime Day happened to put the one that I'm looking at on sale at 30 to 50% off of what it's usually doing, like camelizing it where you can watch prices historically, make sure it didn't go up but yesterday Tyler, and then down for Prime Day. But anyways. TVs are dead. AR sure. is legit now, bro. No. AR is legit. <laughs> Bealy, I think the reality is is that uh, you're likely to find something that you're interested in at that time and then go and get it as opposed to yeah. doing the delay tactic. I am the same. Although I will say that uh, because I think, and maybe I felt like it was an obligation, I think I buy from Amazon every single day. Um, I will assume <laughs> that I bought from was, that's what Amazon I was Prime Day. Every dang day is Prime Day in my house. That's right. That's right. <laughs> Something is being ordered, shipped. I'm unpacking Ugh. things. Yeah. It, it's funny wow. you mentioned the uh, the indoor drone, though, Tyler, because uh, my oldest daughter started watch or watching, listening to our show, and she came running in to find me yesterday because she got to. When the are we part getting where it? You were, 
Well, you were making some you were making some joke about the drone, and I can't remember what the joke is at this point. And I didn't even remember you saying it on the show, but she said it to me. And she was like, "That was so funny. You should tell Mister <laughs> Gates." <laughs> I was like, "All right, fine. I'll tell him." <laughs> Who's Mister Gates? I've got a fan. I've got a fan. That's yeah, great. Exactly. Is that, All right, that Tyler's dad. Uh, what else? What else? What else? Oh, I was doing a um, I was doing something weird yesterday where I was searching. So if you go to Twitter advanced search, you can put in keywords or phrases or whatever, and then search for these things to happen within a certain time period, a, a time bound it. period in the past. And then you can provide other parameters like must have had at least like 200 retweets or a thousand likes or something like that. Right. And so mm-hmm. I was pulling some interesting uh, things by plugging in 2020 uh, as the, the keyword, uh, you know, the phrase or whatever. And then going back to like anything from 2006 to 2012 or 13 or 14 or whatever. And I found this guy, um, Andrew Rader, and he was talking about the giant Magellan telescope. I don't know if y'all have heard about I've that. I've heard of that. Uh, but he tweeted in August of 2014 saying, by 2020, the giant Magellan telescope will be complete, about 10 times Whoa. as powerful as existing telescopes. Well, I looked into it. It's now scheduled to be complete in 2029. Oh, but if you're that's if a fascinating way. Yeah. Well, oops. That must so have been that, funny. That clearly isn't just a 2020 problem there. That's a decade yeah. behind schedule. So they, they made some major misses. I'm assuming. Yeah. Well, so that's what I was going to get to. And we don't have enough time to get into it on the show. But if you're fascinated about how things are made um, and or like space, you know, peering into space and, and what this I will am. give and all that kind of stuff and comparing <laughs> the giant telescopes uh, that exist and the class types that they have of these extremely sure. large telescopes. Some really, really interesting stuff if you dig into that. Um, super fascinating on how they actually make the mirrors and the support structure yeah. and the fact that this thing weighs, oh uh, gosh, how, how much was it? I had it in my head, but it's awesome. it, I mean, it's like... And this is this is a I conventional remember, telescope, if I'm not mistaken, right? And when I say conventional, I'm sure there's very little conventional about it being as large as it is and as modern as it is. But in the sense that it's using mirrors and lenses to to create the the image, right, that we can see, as opposed to some of the absolutely massive, like we're talking about using the entire dark side of the moon. I joke, not that big, but uh, <laughs> for arrays, like radio arrays, so radio telescopes and other wavelength telescopes, you can. It, it doesn't require like, you know, perfectly polished glass like the Hubble to see stuff because it's seeing with a different set of eyes kind of thing. You no, know, that is, I mean, it, it is kind of like that. And that's what's really neat about it. The fact cool. that it's got a 24 and a half meter aperture diameter. That's wild. Which is yeah. massive Nuts. for an aperture, right? And the collecting area is 368 square meters. Phones will have that in three years. You heard it here first. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And there'll be four of them. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I, I gotta find the uh their their website is not great, but uh, oh, I'm trying to find the um the little about section that talks about its weight and all yeah. this kind of stuff. We'll, we'll have to we'll, we'll have check to it out that up because that is cool. Those those are fascinating. Those projects are really neat, and I, it is really cool. I think to get into those details and actually see some of that, like how big it is, how much it weighs, what it's going to be able to resolve, like how far, how far back in. In time, how far deep in space you're going to be able to see with this compared to what we have now, and you know some of the projects that get centered around it. But uh, yeah, but we're we're running out of time this morning. Oh yeah, I want to the next thing. 
Yeah, I want to drop two two things real quick, and then I gotta I gotta peace out. But um, one, the thirteenth batch of a batch of Starlink satellites are set to launch today at ten twenty two Eastern Standard Time U.S. Um, from and you can watch the uh, stream, the live stream from YouTube's, sorry SpaceX SpaceX's YouTube page, uh, if you're into that. Um, mark your calendars. It's just a couple hours from now. I think that's all we got. Russ, you got something else to add right before we sign out? Nope. Let's shut it down. Cool. That brings another Tech Breakfast podcast to a close. Everybody, thanks for joining us. We had fun this morning. I didn't feel like it had as much energy as usual. I don't have enough coffee and I was up late last night, but that's okay. Hopefully, we talked about cool stuff. And if we didn't, let us know. And if you want to come join us on the show, do it. Come join us. We'd love to have you. Thanks for listening. Thanks for subscribing. Go tell your friends about TBP. And we will talk to you on Wednesday. Later.